0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Windy City Grid Iron Radio. With you, as always, is your host, Robert Zaglinski. And today we're going to preview the Arizona Cardinals. They're up next in the the WCG radio preview series of the Bears 2018 opponents. Uh, There are a lot of interesting points for a team that might be rebuilding, might not be rebuilding. They do have a young quarterback that will likely play probably even to start the season in Josh Rosen. They have a new head coach in Steve Wilkes. Uh, to help break all of this down have a nice little fun lightning conversation, I have Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds joining me, SB Nation's Cardinals website. Blake, what's up?
0: Hey, how's it going, hey, Robert? How's it going Robert?
1: It's good. Dutch to base. Good to touch base. Perfect to start the foundation. Uh, and, and Before we talk any of the future, before we talk any of the fun stuff, I see you pushing hard for Rosen a lot, Blake. Um, but we, I want to start in the past first. So the Cardinals were in the NFC Championship the last, two years ago. Um, they weren't an awful team the last two years, but they weren't necessarily great either. What's, what went wrong for them after being such an elite team?
0: Yeah, Robert, I think with the Cardinals, you just saw that the team kind of lost whatever killer instinct that they had. Um, some of that is just due to vets got old, guys like Carson Palmer, um, Tyron Matthew took on an injury. He had been the heart and soul of the team. A lot of the 2016 season just came down to when they had close games. Their special teams just was, I believe they were ranked 31st in the NFL. They had all sorts of times where they just seemed like they would always throw away games at the end. Um, they ended up kind of turning it around about halfway through. And then 2017, it just seemed like a, the week one was kind of a killer in both years. Uh, week one in the Patriots, they had that game ending uh, pass that Carson Palmer to Larry Fitzgerald and the infamous missed kick from their kicker. Week one of 2017, same thing. You start talking about how you uh, get to the end of that game, and Lions make a huge comeback, at least, from down. I think it was like almost uh, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. David Johnson goes out with injury, misses the entire year on IR. The uh, Cardinals just ended up being at a spot where they needed to kind of start the rebuild after things went south in 2016. Uh, Bruce Arians kind of wanted to give it one more year. It was his last year. Um, Cardinals went with some defensive guys in 2017 over taking a young quarterback uh, or moving up for one like in the Holmes and Watson. And you kind of saw how that played out. They moved up yeah. on the draft this year to get that future player.
1: The way you're kind of painting it is – maybe this boils down to it too much, but the Al Pacino game of inches speech is just the ball didn't bounce their way. I mean, I, mean, I, I hate to say – put it cliches of fortune, but – this was just. This just seems to me like a team that, you know, didn't have the luck. That didn't have the luck to, to stay afloat in the NFC West the kind of the way they did. They probably did take a dip in play regardless, but they just did. They didn't. They didn't have the ball bounce their way. Yeah,
0: and in 2016, I think that that was more of the case. Where I mean, if you talk about, they had a, a top 10 offense, and they actually finished first in sacks. You actually had Chandler Jones, Marcus Colvin, and. Calais Campbell all on one team for a season which is uh, which is kind of crazy when you look at the production Calais has had now and Chandler yeah. Jones being the sack leader last year but that was probably the team where they were probably a playoff team that just underachieved I think that this year they probably achieved about where they were they're probably about a seven to nine win team and they ended up going eight and eight uh, kind of scraped some late wins together partially for Arians in that era of Cardinals football you got to see like you know a Lane Gabbert revenge game <laughs> against the Jaguars and Drew Stanton doing just enough at the end of the season to win, but it was it's kind of like in that middle balance of the, the Cardinals just were in a spot where they kind of had maxed out who they were in 2015. When he got through 2016, they needed to kind of get a fresh new start and they've done that by hiring a new defensive minded head coach. And have had a lot of, a lot of roster turnover on the offensive side of the ball.
1: I want to touch on that. You, you mentioned Steve Wilkes. So the the predecessor Bruce Arians, uh, how much of a part did he have in the decline? I mean, how much will the Cardinals miss him? Like what are what are what would you say are regrets from his tenure? As he's this was a, this was a decision that he came to on his own, obviously.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing most Cardinals fans before this year regretted was you had a guy who was a bona fide quarterback whisperer and specialized in working with young quarterbacks, young Peyton, young Ben, young Andrew Luck. And you never got to have him really work with that guy and develop him. Um, last year, the team was very interested in Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs decided to make a move up for him. Deshaun Watson went to pick before them. A-, a lot of fans really were hoping that maybe you'd be able to kind of have your cake and eat it too, have Carson Palmer be the guy who'd lead them to kind of that next quarterback. Um, the other thing I think a lot of people regretted was that there was, um, there was times where Arians would, he would do things his way. And in some cases, you got to see that work out really, really well, where you saw the Cardinals would be able to have some awesome late-game wins, they'd put the other team away by being bold and going for it on fourth down. In other cases, you you think back to that 2015 playoff game in Green Bay, where instead of running the ball out or kicking the field goal, they throw it on second down and stop the clock, and Aaron Rodgers gets two Hail Marys off. So there's a kind of a level, at least, of some stubbornness, where Bruce Arians was a guy who was well-loved, very well-liked by the fans and the players, but with the staff he put together of older guys, he always felt like there was some type of room for improvement where there wasn't going to be as much of a changing or a growth maturity just kind of is what it is so now bringing in kind of a new movement, some younger guys, um, a guy in Steve Wilkes, who he's his track record that he had was not just working with quarterbacks and having solid offenses, but developing young defensive players like a, uh, uh, I believe Josh Norman and kind of building around a lot of guys who weren't maybe as you know high draft picks, but were still talented. It just felt like it was a, a move to the opposite direction that the team kind of needed to go through, um, just for that breath of fresh air as they enter the uh, the transition phase. And they call it they call it a retool, not a rebuild. It remains to be seen exactly how much of that will be. It's, a, it's yeah. going to be a tough NFC West this year with these quarterbacks that they have now with Goff, Garoppolo, and uh, Russell Wilson in the division.
1: I was actually going to characterize it that way. Um, you wouldn't consider, I, I, I'm assuming you don't consider this a full rebuild. I think a more appropriate term is a retool for a year, for a season or two, I, I assume. And you, you have someone like Rosen come to a team that has a little more talent in place. I think I, and I'm not comparing, this isn't a Rosen to Joe Flacco comparison, but because I think Rosen, I also think Rosen will be better quarterback, but more like, Flacco coming to a Ravens team that had a lot of established defensive veteran stars. There's still a lot of pieces in place across the entire roster.
0: Yeah, I think what, what the Cardinals did when they went out and signed Sam Bradford, and a lot of people were like, Sam Bradford for, you know, like that amount of money. And I think what they wanted to intend was if you've got a, a guy like Sam Bradford, you at least know that you're probably going to be an eight-win team if he plays. If he doesn't play... Um, you're probably looking at a, yeah, a team where, as long as they can get a decent veteran quarterback, they still have a lot of their defensive pieces. You still have the Pro Bowlers and Patrick Peterson, the probably the the best sack leader in the NFL, and Chandler Jones. And the teams move into a four three, which will honestly really favor their draft picks a lot. Where you've got your guys like Buda Baker last year, and the teams are like still excited about. Uh, their first round draft pick last year, Hassan Reddick. The team basically wanted to keep their defense intact to kind of help carry the team. And then on offense, they're bringing back some guys like Larry Fitzgerald up for another year. He's still been playing at a consistent level. And David Johnson is probably the most underrated um, uh, guy who's returning from the 2017 season who, you know, played all of, uh, I think it was a couple of snaps last year. So they at least have enough talent around him and enough players on the offensive line is the, Big question, but they'll at least be in a position where they're not going to be going through like, you know, a top five team, at least it doesn't seem like it. And they're also in a spot where they're entering NFC West, where there's still plenty of questions about um, if the Seahawks with their turnover and their defensive struggles they've had, you know, they went out instead of getting a guy to protect Russell Wilson, they went and got a running back in the first round. They lost all sorts of players on defense. There's still questions about the offensive line. And the Niners, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, they won a lot of games, but there's still some defensive questions. you. Are you going to be able to carry him, Thank for him? I just don't know if he's been at that elite level yet where, I mean, I think people can sometimes go with recency bias, where you can just remember Sam Bradford from, you know, 2017 where he barely played yeah. versus Sam Bradford 2016. Things can change in the NFL on a whim. Uh, I think that the Cardinals are in a spot where I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team, but... When you go through their schedule it's hard to see this team getting less than at least six wins so they're probably going to be in that six to nine win range and that's probably where they should be as they turn things around with a a new regime learning a new scheme and maybe they can push a little bit further than that if Rosen comes on and is as good as he's been built so far from people in camp
1: nice segue so what's the deal with Rosen what's the timeline I um I noticed, and this isn't the same because we keep saying that Bradford's there, so he's the number two. But you know, Mike Lennon's there. He's, he's all, Ms. Trubisky went through this last year. Um, what's the timeline for, for Rosen, um, who I like to call the Rosen one, to eventually start to take over for this to be uh, his team? How's it going so far?
0: What's nice about with the addition of Sam Bradford and then also another veteran in Mike Glennon is there's not really a true timeline for Rosen uh, as far as where... If the team's winning games with Bradford and he plays 16 games and they're winning them, they're fine with Sam Bradford. If Josh Rosen beats him out or wins the starting job and is ready for week one, they'd go with Rosen. They're in the spot where and this is kind of like as Bears fans would be able to know is that they don't have John Fox as a head coach, which is one of the best things that Mitch Trubisky can have going for him. Yeah. And it's a great yeah. thing that Rosen has going for him too. They're not going to be concerned with, you know, saying he has to earn it. If he's the best guy, they'll put him out there. If they feel like Sam Bradford's health isn't there, they'll, will be able to put him out there. He's been so far in camp. The biggest thing they have heard is that he mentally is already kind of coming into camp with the mental aspect of a veteran. Now that's, that's not to say that, you know, he's coming in and he's a veteran quarterback. This is a guy who's still a rookie, still has to be able to learn and grow, still has to be able to get used to an NFL, uh, an an actual NFL style of gameplay and have the game kind of slow down, but he's in a spot at least where they don't have to worry about if there's a quarterback in front of him and Sam Bradford, and if he's not ready to go, And if Bradford gets hurt right away, they at least still have that veteran backup in Glennon Um, reports already. They're kind of working out Rosen as the number two, and they're hoping that he can push for the starting job just because he's come in as advertised where he's already picked up the offense. He's delivering, you know, strong, accurate strikes. um, And he's really been meshing really well so far with the team. I know a lot of the pre-draft talk that people had of him was, you know, there's those personality questions, wasn't liked. And some of that, you just have to wonder how much of that was trying to, project and find things that you didn't like about the guy for kind of giving your, it's like, you know, it's like, well, we like Baker Mayfield, but they, maybe we can find a reason not to draft this guy. And when you focus on those negatives, you forget about the positives about that. This guy came out and is probably at least the closest that we've seen as far as for, uh, you know, a, a smart, strong, intelligent pocket quarterback, who's accurate and delivers, you know, really good plays under pressure. That's the biggest thing I think that people are missing is you just focus on what you want. And <laughs> it's not exactly what you want. You kind of have to bend yourself sometimes the Cardinals have shown that flexibility and they're willing to build a team around Josh Rosen in a way that maybe some other NFL teams were not willing to do
1: you know what the conversation about his personality pre-draft reminded me of um it it, 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 it could like kind of like the quarterback from draft day you know the movie with Kevin Costner like <laughs> just the just the random comparisons just and, and then but I mean the Cardinals ended up taking the quarterback anyway but that just kind of I don't know the, the parallel was really weird. And, and I I think while the movie overall was obviously terrible, um, it it got the conversation of how Twitter and how the NFL media generally hyper sensationalizes stupid, stupid stuff like that, honestly. But, um, so from that perspective, I want, I want to gauge your opinion. Do, Do you, what you're not, you're obviously not with the Cardinals. You're not part of the coaching staff. You're not part of the front office, right? Um, what do you personally believe as far as a, a, a bridge philosophy or whether a Rosen should start right away um, being the, the best way to develop him, Blake?
0: Yeah, I think it just really depends on what goes on with Bradford's Self, when they go through the, They'll kind of go through the process, evaluate the guys equally. And I think what's going to happen is if you get to a spot where Sam Bradford is slightly ahead of Rosen, but it's close, then you're going to give it to the rookie because you don't need to then mess around with having Bradford, even if it's slightly better, or maybe you end up looking at if Bradford's not able to be mobile and move around the pocket and is just going to get hit back there and it ends up becoming a liability. I think that's where you can go and um, go ahead and be able to play Rosen because as people said this year, he was the most pro ready quarterback coming out and what really got underrated I think about him and this is just some of it is also like when you're talking about the draft day and like you know the the famous you know did uh-huh. I mean, somebody even asked did Josh Rosen you know did uh, other people as players and teammates show up to his birthday party I think what a, a lot of people had to realize is that the the biggest reason why people looked down on Rosen was because they questioned why didn't he win more games at UCLA that was the biggest thing behind him and that was a knock that people should have had probably honestly last year with a guy like Patrick Mahomes that when you look at it and talk about it, you, you see that there's no run game. And when you look at the lack of defense, a lot of that can kind of come down to coaching in a way, as far as if you can't run the ball and if you can't um, stop the run, then yeah. you, know, you got to wonder what you're doing, especially with all the talent that UCLA had. So it's interesting because the, the biggest comparison I know that a lot of people had with him was uh, Rosen kind of had a, a mentor that he developed through the draft with a relationship with Aaron Rodgers, who like Rosen had kind of a bit of a draft day slide. Now Rosen's wasn't nearly as far, but When you talk about the personality and the type and what NFL teams kind of are looking for, that was really something that Aaron Rodgers and him had something in common where their personality type was a bit more laid back, a bit more of kind of leading through action, wasn't as vocal of a leader. And when you start comparing this year's draft to the outspoken guys like a Baker Mayfield, you take a look at, you know, the electrifying runs of Lamar Jackson. You look at how Josh Allen had just this insane arm talent. And then Sam Darnold coming in kind of with this, you know, high collar pedigree of, you know, two years of just kind of lighting it up for USC. I, I can totally see why I, uh, a lot of teams would kind of be like, these guys fit more of what we want and fit our mold. The Cardinals went and kind of looked at it from evaluating the player. And I think that's part of the reason why they might've gotten a gem in him because we're going to probably open up uh, the 20 set of the 2018 season. And it could be week two Cardinals versus bears and Rosen might be starting that. I don't know if these other quarterbacks, such as Josh Allen Maybe Mayfield, if the team decides they like him, over Tyrod Taylor. He's, he's a definitely a smart guy, just a much a workaholic. Um, I, I think that Rosen's one of those guys who he he might actually be, like, you know, starting. You know, I'd already see a, an early return on that for what they had. And, and the biggest thing is Steve kind of didn't – he didn't give up much to get him. You look at these two second-round picks and what the three second-round picks the Jets had to give up to get Sam Darnold. And he gave up a third and a fifth and moved up, and they got their quarterback in the first round. It's just kind of crazy, at least, for the – they're able to get Rosen and be able to see that they've got a second round pick that they had also in a, the rookie Christian Kirk, who gives him kind of a complimentary wide receiver to grow along with. So it'll it'll be interesting. The uh, the biggest thing Cardinals fans is to kind of wrap up on Rosen and those personality questions is when you start talking about what a guy kind of his knack is and what kind of the, the complaints people have about him, about how he's not a team guy, that there's ego. Uh, you talk about he thinks he knows more than the different coaches and then you look at the actions that Rosen has had about texting uh, other guys on the team like a Patrick Peterson or having you know conversations with Sam Bradford saying he's willing to be the water boy for a few years it just was really interesting because the whole narrative on him versus the actions he's had since he's been coming out you know pushing for different types of uh, uh, you know important causes that he's had at least I think there was Todd Heap you know he was a uh, uh, a local product in the ravens tight end had his daughter passed away in a tragic accident and he started promoting the charity this it's really weird because the entire actions that we see as far as for the narrative versus what you've seen so far has just been totally different so this is kind of a question of you know when we talk about the draft and evaluation like do we sometimes get too far into buying into the hype we without do. actually getting to know the person you know
1: we do <laughs> Talking to Blake Murphy, uh, he's a staff writer for Revenge of the Birds, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals website. He also hosts Bird Game Blitz. Uh, you can't miss him. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, he has a Josh Rosen profile picture and also a 8-bit Josh Rosen background. I think that's Yeah, to...
0: I, th- I think that's it. Yeah, someone had put that up the other day, and it's like, it's funny just because you take a look at the eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, because he's got like a sunken face and he's like, yeah, they that, that, that nailed it. That's all right. <laughs>
1: uh blake you kind of i wanted i actually did want to discuss the defense but um i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about christian kirk so he had uh an arrest i believe last week or so that the car or not last week rather but it it came to light last week and the arrest was in march for cocaine possession or something like that what's the concern level with that and 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 how are the cardinals dealing with that
0: yeah, well, the 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 cocaine, all of that that came out from the police report, at least originally, was the that he was looked like there was a potential uh, uh, altercation that was going on where it was at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which if if you've ever been to the Waste Management Phoenix Open, it's mm-hmm. not like any other golf tournament in the world. It's basically like a party that you have that just goes on for four days straight where people are just like partying it up for that one. It's got one of the rowdiest holes in golf. Uh, it, it can get pretty crazy, at least for that one. It's also during Super Bowl weekend every single year, so usually end up getting all yeah. sorts of NFL fans who are there. So he and a couple of buddies were there. There was apparently a truck that was pretty much broken down on the side, and one of the friends seemed to be kind of like throwing some rocks at it, trying to break a window. Uh, he was probably a bit intoxicated. It's kind of something where you, when you're talking about you know something, uh, you know they say he who cast the first stone almost literally. It's a thing that dumb kids do now. What I do think is true is that that's not something that if you're, you know, going to be an NFL draft pick in just a couple of days that you shouldn't be doing that, getting yourself into yeah. that situation. Uh, so he gets, uh, you know, the police get called at least someone who was noticing the of the rocks uh, was, um, you know, I mean, either way, if it's someone's property, whether it's abandoned, it's still something they wanted to check on for that. And, um, police come in, end up taking him in. Uh, he ends up pleading guilty just to the misdemeanor. Well, I think he pleaded not guilty, actually, to the misdemeanor. The fine that was there was $750. So it's it's very small. The police report in any types of areas showed that he had clenched fist and a clenched jaw, which the police interpret as that perhaps he was on some type of stimulant, perhaps cocaine. His family have come out, basically, and uh, a friend of the family has kind of released a statement on Twitter where for them, to, it was more out of fear of... Uh, A lot of just, you know, with a lot of the law enforcement um, things that have been coming up as far as for with, um, you know, players are in these different situations now and he's like, you know, about to become a draft pick and getting taken in by police that they contributed to the stress. Um, So I think some of it is, you know, if there was going to be any type of news of, you know, any type of drug or other possession, I I feel like we would have heard about it through the wire what people have said about Christian Kirk at least overall is that his work ethic started when he was in eighth grade he put himself under a special training regimen to prepare his body for an NFL workload now I don't know what you were doing in eighth grade but for me I was not thinking yeah. through as far as like what I would be looking forward to as far as for career or anything I think I was probably just worried you know if people are going to like me and if I could get time to you know hit some tennis balls around on the weekend but uh, with Kirk, he's been a, a guy where they look at him as far as for character. He's been involved with them. They really thought that he was a high character guy. The Cardinals investigated the situation on their own and said that they had no problem in drafting him and have been standing by him. Uh, I think some of it is maybe time will tell. If the charges end up getting dropped overall, that'll probably be one indication. Um, if it does turn out to be anything as far as her with drugs, that's something that's going to be kind of very big news to a lot of the people since his friends and family have um, gone after him. Uh, I've gone after a lot of the media for um, reporting it, which <laughs> to me makes sense. I think when you look at how it is with the player, first of all, because this is kind of almost an exception in terms of where you look at all of the coaches, the people have been talking about him. They just said, This is a guy who I would want to have 53 of him on my team. Uh, a lot of them have stood up for him, represented him. And considering that there's not a pattern that you see, like with Johnny Manziel, you saw a pattern. Um, with a guy like a Josh Gordon, you've seen kind of a pattern. But Kirk, this isn't really a pattern that you've seen develop at all. It's kind of an exception. So until you start seeing that exception become the rule, I think that the Cardinals might have gotten uh, a really, really solid slot receiver, kind of similar in the vein of Golden Tate. Maybe you could look at the stuff on Diggs. Um, if, he does end up, he, if he does end up getting, you know, um, the charges that go through, at least, uh, he might maybe be eligible to miss some time. Maybe he misses a game or two. Um, but this is kind of an area where, you know, You draft a player for that one, player makes a mistake for that one. What really matters is how they respond to that mistake. Um, We can even take a look at a Cardinal who's not there anymore and a Tyron Matthew who comes into a strong situation in Arizona as a troubled child, makes up his mind himself to walk away from it, and ended up basically becoming like a a really, really heavy fan favorite and uh, suffered some injuries. But I I think that right now you're probably looking at Kirk as – a guy who he's at least in a good situation for that one. Um, maybe if he hangs around with one of those high school buddies who led him into uh, bad areas there. But we do at least know that uh, he at least will have some input from um, Larry Fitzgerald and some of the other guys around him to help lead. – we'll see. Uh, the, I would say at least just from my gut instinct would be we don't see an incident like this again. Um, just from what everyone else has been talking about him and the fact that the Cardinals are not concerned, even though they knew all this, they still chose to draft him anyway and they were stoked to draft him.
1: Let's move over to defensive continuity. So the past few years um, in succession, the Cardinals have lost Clayes Campbell, who you've mentioned, and he's still one of the premier defensive linemen in football. Uh, Tyron Matthew, who while he got worse with injuries, was still considered a premier safety, was still, in your own words of just a few minutes ago, heart and soul of the team. Uh, and then I think an underrated loss, which de- may or may not be mitigated with Steve Wilkes, depends on what the system comes in. James Betcher, who had the Cardinals as a top five, top six defense the last three seasons, even while losing some of that talent. Um, how hard, I mean, I assume this is what Arizona is hanging its hat on because you still have Chandler Jones, you still have Marcus Golden, even though he had a injured year last year, you still have Patrick Peterson. Um, how are they going to transition kind of to this, to this new era and be the, the unit that carries the team while someone like Rosen grows up, Like,
0: Yeah, well, I think, and, and this is kind of what's interesting, a lot of Cardinals fans in 2017 really felt that James Betcher for the first half of the season was holding the Cardinals defense back. Ooh, okay. Which is interesting because um, some of that is like there was that and some of that I think is just this is part of the biggest like getting back to with Bruce Arians and some of the areas where fans felt there were missed opportunities. Um, Amos Jones had been the special teams coach for the entirety of Bruce Arians um, tenure and not once did they finish uh, anywhere out of the like the bottom 75 percent. So think about a year basically in like the bottom fourth of the league in special teams. Over a five-year, I believe, it was like a five-year span, and you never can rise up from there. So some of that you can maybe say talent, but when you've got a consistent kicker like Phil Dawson last year, who halfway through the season, um, this is just like a kind of a special teams note, um, he ended up talking to a buddy who talked on the radio and said, "Oh, by the way," so Dawson said that the coaching staff has been making him feel uncomfortable because they're allowing guys to get too close to him on the kicks. And what happened after that? We saw the Cardinals made an adjustment once they heard that on the news, and all of a sudden he doesn't get bothered and starts being automatic. The fans felt the same thing at the players for their year on defense last year. You look at the Texans, and they basically gave up a huge amount of just, you know, terrible, terrible blown coverages and plays to the Houston Texans starting Tom Savage at quarterback and lose that game. The players apparently, from what I heard, came to – The defense said, hey, you need to make this this defense is too complicated. We have times where we're instead of just playing man to man, we're having to drop back into zone. We're having to have this complication. Even at times, Patrick Peterson was standing on the sideline. And uh, I think it was DeAndre Hopkins shifted over and he raises his head. Looks like he's groaning because they he knew that it was a zone coverage. Sure enough, next play, it's a 10 yard pass. First down, new set of downs. So there was some frustration that people had with James Petra last year. Now that aside, he still is a very, very solid and good defensive coordinator. The Cardinals still are able to generate pressure um, without being able to have to have, you know, two sack masters on the line and without having maybe a huge interior disruptor. Um, they've always had a kind of a solid linebacking core and been able to generate pressure with the blitz. But I do think that the Cardinals team is there now. They might end up being, in some cases, be able to improve on defense from last year. Um, you take a look at how They've been able to keep a lot of their key players and have been able to bring in uh, Buddha Baker, who kind of, he impressed the team a lot last year, had a very similar, um, didn't have as quick of a start as Tyron Matthew did, but a kind of a similar impact from the safety position where eventually they kind of had Baker taking over Matthew's role and they put Matthew back a little bit further uh, in the defense, at least, and let Buda be kind of the guy who was making plays, so I think with Wilkes they might be built a little bit better for a 4-3 um as far as from maybe that's the strategy that they'll go to everything's a little bit hybrid now. Uh, I think that some of the defensive improvements that then we might see and they, they still you know have to maybe find a safety. They just brought in a uh, a veteran corner in a trade with the uh Cleveland Browns um for Jamar Taylor. I think they've got fine. enough pe- yeah, I think they got enough pieces around there to at least be able to show some improvement on defense that maybe will help offset some of the uh, the fact of them not having, you know, a the brand new offensive system and having to learn from that with, you know, whether it's Bradford or Rosen and trying to figure out the offensive line, which right now is kind of in the middle of a, a transition where there's a lot of question marks about injury, a lot of question marks about ability and pass protection as well.
1: Let's – okay, now let's transition to the competition and you've kind of – You've also kind of touched on this already, um, but we'll dive a little deeper. Um, the biggest threat is quite obviously the Rams. Um, they've loaded up this offseason. They're kind of going all in with Jared Goff there. We we're not sure totally as to whether he's an elite quarterback, but he had a good season last year, and they're surround, They're filling up that roster with talent. How um, you've already stated that you think the Cardinals are a six or seven win team, but eventually they're still going to have to go through the Rams. What, what's your ideal plan um, to happen over the next few seasons for that to happen?
0: Well, I think part of what they've done, some of this I think Steve Kim is already taking over with, is that there's a model that the Rams and the Eagles are kind of starting to copy the Patriots. And it's in when you've got a rookie quarterback under contract and you've got that amount of savings, you have a whole lot of cash to work with. And that's something similar where you look at what the Bears did this offseason, where they're able to load up with getting guys like an Allen Robinson, being able to load up in free agency and then also be able to. I thought the Bears had an awesome draft this year as well. Mm -hmm. So I think when you surround them with talent and then you start playing to the strengths of the players, you know, when you look at the offensive line coach that they have trying to get guys who will be able to fit to Trubisky's strength. I think that's what the Cardinals are going to do over the next few years. Steve Kine has never really had a lot of cap space to work with. Um, he's always been kind of either having to pay with Fitzgerald, Palmer, being able to keep the defense intact, being able to pay a guy like a Chandler Jones, having Patrick Peterson and Tyron with expensive contracts. And he's always had Palmer has been like a pretty big cap number. They awarded him at least. And Palmer was playing at least, you know, a worth of a, a top 15 top 12 <laughs> contract at the time right. there so the fact that they now are going to go in they've got about 99 million or so in cap space for next year and they let go of um two kind of stalwart cardinals throughout the arians era and jared valdeer who they traded last year to, uh, traded this year at least after he struggled last year to the denver broncos as well as releasing Tyron Matthew from, I think it was the one of the second highest paid safety contracts in the NFL. So I think the key that they'll have at least is they'll recognize that they've got a couple years head starts, excuse me, the Rams have a couple years head start with Jared Goff. The Niners are kind of not just rebuilding, but having to retool and have already paid Jimmy Garoppolo. The biggest question I think for going into this season, at least is going to be, do you care that much as far as about winning now versus building for the future? And I think that they're on a spot where they recognize that, they don't have to basically go ahead and make the playoffs in 2018. What they need to care about is just the success overall for their quarterback and their defense long-term. And I think that part of what their steps are going to be is they'll be taking a look and targeting uh, a team like Seattle or maybe a team like San Francisco where um, they'll try to kind of, you know, just learn how to win, get a little bit better every day has been the big mantra. So I think the plan that they'll have at least is recognizing that the Rams got Jared Goff two years ahead and he's on that rookie deal. You can kind of take a look at a 2018 as a stepping stone. Then if Rosen comes in in 2019 prepared, they've got all that cap space maybe by an offensive line, get a an impact player, a defensive player in the draft potentially. You can start seeing them kind of trying to make a push similar to the Seahawks and Rams have made with their rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I think that's going to be their game plan. It's going to be a real big slugfest with all those good quarterbacks yeah. in the yeah. NFC West. And uh, I'm saying that kind of maybe assuming that Rosen <laughs> will be a good quarterback, but at this point with how it's been built and from – a lot of them, you got to at least anticipate that he's going to be able to deliver enough with the Cardinals while he's surrounded with a guy like a David Johnson, while you get a Christian Kirk, and as long as Larry Fitzgerald plays, he's going to basically be able to produce on the field.
1: That's kind of the way the whole uh, NFC is shaping out. I mean, you look at the NFC North, you look at the NFC South, every division has an abundance of young quarterbacks and or star quarterbacks, and you, it's kind of just... How you wrote, how you've built your roster, and it's a roll of the dice in, in the actual competition. Once the team, once teams and actually play. I mean, so um, Arizona, I think that patient approach you um, you're mentioning is the right one anyway. And I think that's kind of what, like, like you said, um, well, it is. That's what that's what the Bears are doing with Matt Nagy. So uh, two teams going in that in the right way. We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, Blake. I'm going to read off. The free agent signing since we've already went we've gone through Bradford and then Hall of Fame quarterback Mike Glennon, Um the other free agents, so Ben A Ben A, Ben Wicker, I
0: think. Yeah, it's like or, it's like it's like Ben A Ben Wickery, and don't ask me to spell it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I, I won't, I won't, I won't. Uh Bryce Butler, Benson Mayoa, Justin Pugh, Andre Smith, Marcus Williams. Describe to me that without the quarterbacks, that free agent class in one word, and then tell me who you expect to have the biggest role and make the biggest impact.
0: Yeah, the, the easiest way to describe that free agent class would probably be stopgap. If you wanted to take a look <laughs> at the limitations that Steve Kime has had as far as the cap room, they basically went into this. Uh, offseason where they were were cutting guys and letting guys loose in order to kind of free up some cap space they actually Mm -hmm. have quite a bit right now with about 18 million but you're expecting a lot of that to be used more for extending their own guys maybe they'll bring in another safety or um, a couple other players but a lot of those guys are players who they're probably going to be around here for maybe just a year or so Andre Smith gives them kind of another right tackle Jared didn't transition really well to right tackle last year. He actually even considered retirement with all the CTE news and took him a while to kind of get back into uh, into a good groove. Um, and with Andre Smith, you're kind of looking at a guy who he's, he's not been a swinging gate at right tackle, but he's a guy who is more of like your one year aging veteran who can kind of get the job done, probably going to let a couple of guys run by him. Ben Ibn Wickery is a guy who might be their nickel corner, depending on how their team. Scheme works out. I believe he's familiar with uh, Steve Wilk's defense as well. And uh, the guy who I think is going to have the biggest impact is going to be Justin Pugh, because you're talking about a guy who at right guard is a very, very solid player when healthy. And that's been the big question with him has been, how uh, has his back been been able to hold up? The Cardinals basically didn't see that there was going to be a need They gave him a pretty good five-year deal overall They're expecting him to kind of be their plug-and-play guy at right or left. I believe maybe a long-term left guard, but at least at right guard. Uh, He's a guy who I think is at least a solid pass protector on the inside, and he's a good run blocker that I think you talked about. With The Cardinals have one thing that they want to aim for this year. It's protecting that rookie quarterback by handing the ball off to David Johnson, um, kind of trying to run the ball behind that offensive line, and use a quick passing game, whether it's Bradford or Rosen, Get the ball out quick so that way if those guys aren't able to pass protect you'll be able to see uh uh, you know, just quick reads, simple. Um, be able to kind of have it where it's the best, uh, best possible scenario for either Bradford to not take a hit, or for Rosen just to be able to use that quick release and get it out quickly. And, uh, and that's that's kind of a, a huge difference from what Cardinals fans have come to expect with Bruce Arians and his seven-step drops and Carson Palmer taking a huge sack for loss when the Cardinals weren't able to protect him in 2016 and 2017. So it'll probably be Pew who will have the biggest free.
1: I, I'm I'm looking at it and and it's and 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 I, and I hate to keep doing this, but it just reminds me eerily. And, and but at least the Cardinals seem prepared for of the Bears 2017 free engine class. I think I'm not sure if you're familiar, but you know <laughs> have Sterling names like Mike Lennon, um, Marcus Wheaton in there. Uh, Marcus Cooper, so it it just it just kind of mirrors that, and it's also interesting in that the Cardinals have Rosen and um, really similar situations, really similar building platforms here, uh, Blake.
0: Yeah, I know definitely when you've got the young quarterback and are kind of having to transition from the older one to the new one, you can have a lot of times I think where it's it's not necessarily a stopgap year, and I think the Cardinals are in a bit better situation defensively, and yeah, you know, twenty seventeen the Bears at least kind of you know. Got a guy under Jordan Howard who ended up being a really star-stud uh, performer. They picked up you know, their, uh, uh, their third down back, at least, who's done a, a really nice job. Hopefully, he'll get more usage next year. But it's kind of in a spot where the, uh, the Cardinals are really going to rely on having to run the ball and win games with defense. And I think that they've got the defense to do it. Um, from some other picks that they've had and just the way that Steve Welch is a defensive-minded head coach. So I think that it's not going to be having to go through a, a season like the Bears had to in 2017 where you're just like talking yeah. about how it's minimal offensive output. But I don't think it's going to be a team that you're going to talk about as threatening for a, a, a playoff spot at least. I think it's going to be a similar season to at record-wise as 2016-2017 but as far as for fans with their optimism and the team being able to compete in games, I think that fans are going to be much more optimistic kind of how – and then looking forward to 2019, similar to how Bears fans kind of saw a lot of things come together in this offseason.
1: We're going to talk mostly 2018 draft. But, again, this one-word thing, Blake, Describe to me in one word Steve Keim's drafts from 2013. And, I mean, I'm looking at the history now off of Pro Football Reference – I wouldn't say necessarily it's fantastic, but it's okay. I mean, it's even fine is probably even a better word.
0: Yeah, I think that it was – I think you could probably say the word satisfactory would probably be the best word because you're talking about how it's not that you've had, like, areas – there's some drafts you can look at that are kind of bad, like the the 2013 draft outside of Tyron Matthew, who is now no longer a member of the team. You took a a guard top 10 who you thought was going to be a pro bowler and is – Turned into one of the maybe one of the biggest busts in your franchise's history. Totally had a combination of injury and misjudging the personality of the player. And uh, you look at with the next year in 2014, you really are talking about how you just you see kind of one impact guy per class. You don't really get that class until 2015 where you kind of end up hitting a big hit where you get your a tackle who's at least been a solid tackle when he's played in dj humphries uh, he's basically had injury troubles the last two years and this is a huge year for him as far as they did give him a fifth round uh contract option so it's not that he's you know been declined from that they like him a lot just he has to be able to stay on the field you got marcus golden in the second round there who's become an effective pass rusher and then you got david johnson in the third round and <laughs> it's funny because uh for those who've seen the cardinals on all or nothing in the amazon series they even went inside the draft room and showed people the cardinals were excited that they were going to get amir abdullah who uh was one of their yeah. favorite players bruce arians was uh loved the guy he knew him since like he was a junior, I think it was like junior high or high school and the detroit lions trade up and the cardinals are just despondent and so they end up getting david johnson in the third round and Johnson goes on to end up having like a nearly 1,000-yard rushing, 1,000-yard receiving campaign in 2016, but sets a rookie touchdown record for the team. And Amir Abdullah is probably going to see his job get replaced by Kerry and Johnson. So you just never can really predict how it's going to turn out in the draft, and sometimes you get lucky. Maybe the Cardinals end up getting the fourth quarterback this year or getting a guy that uh, might end up outshining some of the other players. Might not be the guy that you want, but <laughs> it might turn out to be the guy that you – you need to, uh, but yeah, satisfactory is probably we'd have from Kyman. The 2015 draft really offsets that 2016 draft because you basically are getting a guy in Robert Kimdiche who, up to this point, has been a massive disappointment. He's back in a four-three defense now. Uh, this is kind of like almost like you could say his last chance. He's getting every opportunity yeah. to get the starting job, but. If he ends up not performing to the level that they need, then it's probably going to be a defensive tackle in the first or second round for Arizona next year, or maybe a big free agent because uh, they wanted him to be that guy to replace Calais Campbell. He just came out very raw, but has not developed the level that they needed him to be in year two. Um, and then the second player they took also was another developmental guy and Brandon Williams, who he was kind of in room for, it seems like it's the same story with him each year, each year you kind of expect him to be the number two cornerback. And they end up always signing a guy to replace him. In 2016, they traded for Marcus Cooper, who went on to have a solid season in Arizona, got a you know a contract from your Bears there, and then didn't end up living up to that. Some of that might have been some of the scheme. And, you know, when you have Patrick Peterson across from you, things can get probably a little bit easier. And overall, Brandon Williams, 2017, same coming in looking to be the number two corner and ends up basically seeing two guys passing up and Justin Bethel and uh, Tremon Williams, who's now back with the Packers. So, for him, the fact that they've traded for Jamar Taylor just kind of shows that you took a guy who was a bit too raw, a bit too high. And I think Steve Kime has learned from some of that, but right now their 2018 return. So far is that two defensive holes that they're going to have to probably end up trying to fill for next year. So it's a, uh, It's a big year for both of those players, but that's where you can kind of say satisfactory because for each one of Kime's high-level picks that he landed on or got paid a a steal in, he's had one of those that just kind of bet on a player who hasn't really turned out. And I think some of that and some of the lessons he learned from the previous drafts really paid off in this 2018 draft, and that's why a lot of people have really liked and appreciated this year's draft.
1: In in regards to that draft, um, I'm assuming the expectations are mostly – Two questions are mostly immediate impact. And second, non Rosen, non Kirk pick that will make (laughs) impact because we've already discussed Rosen and Kirk a plenty.
0: For sure. No, I think the biggest guy who's actually going to make an impact is the fourth round running back out of a small school in Fordham named Chase Edmonds. This is a mm. guy that the Cardinals actually love. They were talking him up about taking him potentially as early as the third round. Uh, he was a guy who had, I think, the fastest um, three cone and the fastest. I think it was short shuttle time at the combine. Very small, shifty, Darren sproles like guy. Um, you might even kind of consider him as being very similar to Tariq Cohen in terms of being able to be a receiver as well in his pro day he didn't do a single drill at running back he lined up at wide receiver and did all the receiver drills and did them very well just to kind of prove that he could he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder is a bit smaller than david johnson but he's a guy who they since he's got those same receiving skills when they take david johnson off the field they won't have to drastically shape shift or change the offense it's not going to be like you're having to change your offense around to feature a, a different type of back or a back who can't catch, which they kind of had to go through that with Adrian Peterson last year just because they you know, or can't throw the ball on third down to the running back and he's not able to pick up a blitz at all. So that was just one of the areas where I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to have a clear pathway to the number two running back spot. I think he's going to get quite a few carries and they'll use him on third down this year quite a bit as far as for in the passing game and a, a much more quick rhythm offense under – Offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. So, yeah, so keep, keep an eye out on him, especially for all of you um, either fantasy draft guys or dynasty leagues. He's a guy who I think is, even though he's going to be behind David Johnson, they're not just going to run the ball with Johnson like a, a bell cow all the time. They're going to be getting, I think, a lot of snaps to Edmonds.
1: You heard it here first. Chase Edmonds will be the number one fantasy star fantasy football, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> he's he's going to dominate. He'll, he'll win you your league. Um, That's Blake's.
0: Blake's It's a little, little bit heavy. At least the Cardinals like him a lot. I I do think that he is a guy who might end up, especially if you're in a PPR league, who's needing a late round pick. I'd take a chance on him ahead of some of these other running backs who, you know, are maybe not going to receive as many passes for sure.
1: Let's get to the heaviest part of this, Blake. Oh man, the 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 rivalry, but the Bears Cardinals rivalry. Wow, it's it's really (laughs) extensive history. Um, oh, yeah, Denny Green. Denny Green. I remember that. <laughs> the Bears are who we thought they were, and so are the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> how, in your mind, because we've kind of talked about it through this podcast, both teams are in similar situations. The Bears are a year further along with their quarterback, at least, um, along that contract, and along putting him in a position to succeed. Um But tell me from a glance, and then we can talk specifics, how you think the Cardinals match up with the Bears now that the teams will meet in week three in Arizona for those – for listeners. Well,
0: I think the the two things it'll come down to, at least first of all, is who's going to be a quarterback for Arizona in week two I think is the biggest question. Because if it's going to be Bradford at least, then – sorry, I think it's not week two. I believe it's week three. Yeah, well, I, yeah week three, it's week yeah. Two. Yeah. I was going to say, week two, they're coming off of a game against the Rams we have Donald and Sue, so we don't know if Sam Bradford, first of all, is going to make it through that game. <laughs> so that's kind of the first question at least. And then if it is going to be Josh Rosen, um, potentially, whether he's starting or not, there's going to be a lot of just trying to figure out what's the game plan going to be because I think a lot of the Cardinals' design is going to be on trying to – you know, put Adrian, uh, put Patrick Peterson on uh, the, the Allen Robinson, trying to find ways to, um, you know, I think the Bears are going to use much more of a quick passing game, trying to, you know, use utilize a lot of the uh, skills they have. Uh, Roquan Smith, I think, is going to be a guy that the Bears are going to have, like, you know, some awesome impact from week one it's going to come down to ultimately about which team is going to be able to take pressure off of the young quarterback by being able to effectively run the ball. You've got some good running backs and Jordan Howard, David Johnson, some rosters and some staffing that's been designed around running the ball. I I think it's going to turn into an area where it's going to be tryout who can avoid turnovers the most. And that's where I think the key comes down to because um, with Josh Rosen, at least when you saw him on the road, he ended up with his teams, he ended up kind of making some decisions, where he gave the ball to the other team at times. Um, It wasn't necessarily in terms of like where, you know, he just was a turnover machine. Sam Darnold was much closer to that, but you did see at times when the team was down and kind of needed to make a play, he would take kind of a calculated risk and sometimes it would go back the other way. With Trubisky, I think that's where the emphasis for him is going to basically be on completing the passes on, you know, you can say it's like, you know, I got to complete the passes on third down, but the Cardinals are going to be very aggressive with Steve Wilkes, they're going to basically be blitzing. They'll give quite a few different looks. They'll be sometimes even trying to you know, play off some off coverage and see if they can get their hands on a few balls. It's going to come down to ultimately the which team's going to be able to kind of keep the young quarterbacks upright, kind of keep them from making a mistake. And ultimately, I think it's going to end up coming down to um, which team makes less mistakes. For now, the biggest advantage the Cardinals have is they've been a very solid home team. They're playing indoors. They're not having to... Um, play at Soldier Field. Now the la- the last time they did play, I believe at Soldier Field, they did pretty well. That was the David Johnson um, kickoff return game, mm-hmm. and, and uh that was one of the solid games that they had against the Bears. Uh, they're at home now in an indoor stadium. I think it's going to be something where I you normally would say you'd give the advantage to the home team, but because you don't know if it's going to be Bradford, you don't know if it's going to be Rosen, and they're going to be coming off of a, a slugfest against the Rams. Uh, which I believe is also on the road. I got to think that it's going to be pretty close between them and Chicago overall. Um, I don't think I would give an edge to Chicago just yet just because of the home team, but I think it's going to be one of those games where it may come down to the fourth quarter because these teams are very, as you you said, they're built similarly around these young quarterbacks. Um, The biggest X factor I think is going to have to be Arizona's defense with uh, Peterson and Jones. Uh, The Bears got a a guy who I think is going to be a blue chip player in Roquan Smith. But they don't have an impact pass rusher like Chandler Jones, at least. And that, that's something we have to still see from their –
1: um well, the impact pick, edge rusher.
0: Impact. Right, edge rusher, exactly. The edge rusher, I think, is the one. And then as far as for cornerbacks go, the, the Bears have had like some good cornerback play, but there hasn't been anything like Peterson. So I think that's where the only thing I can think of the Cardinals, maybe you see a little bit of a tip that way. But, again, depends on who's at QB. If Bradford's there at QB and he can't run or move around or <laughs> he gets hurt and he had to – you know. The Cardinals are having to start Mike Glennon against the Bears in week two because Rosen, they don't think he's ready yet. Boy, what kind of a uh, beating Glennon's going to take in that type of a revenge game. That would be very, very um,
1: relieving for Bears. Well, <laughs> the, Glennon's, Glennon's the, the Glennon's the guy that will turn over the ball four times without much pressure. So – it doesn't really matter the circumstances, Blake. Um, so, I, But I don't think you want to see that for your own mental health. No, and I think with a lot of people right now, like from the reports
0: the Cardinals have had so far, it seems like Josh Rosen's already passed up Mike Glennon in some cases yeah. in the depth chart. Like He's not competing with Glennon to be the number two. He's competing with Sam Bradford to see if he's going to be the starter rolling out. So it'll, it'll be interesting at least. I still think that the biggest thing with the Cardinals going into this season is that some play, teams and people have underrated them uh, a little bit. And some of that's just because you look at Vegas' totals and you see that they're giving them a five-and-a-half uh, uh, kind of uh, game spread, which is the exact same as the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so if yeah. you're looking at a team that's bringing back a lot of guys in defense, I don't think they're going to be as bad as a lot of the uh, a lot of people are looking at as far as having the top five pick, as we talked about earlier. But I don't know if we're going to be that one to go there. So I, I'd pick at least the Cardinals because it's a home game if they're going to be starting their quarterback in Rosen, maybe I'd go and pick the bears for that one while the young guy gets in If Bradford goes in for that one. And he's able to, you know, perform well enough. Perhaps the Cardinals are able to complete enough passes, but it's, it's going to be one of those games where I think it's going to come down to the wire and the fourth, uh, the end of the game with the, going to rely on whoever's going to be able to kick that ball through the uprights. I think as time expires, it's going to be a really close game.
1: From a team aspect. Um, you kind of just said where Arizona would have the advan would have the advantage. Um, what's one area the Bears can exploit the Cardinals, especially with their current roster? Yeah, the biggest one
0: I think for the Bears is that there's um, still quite a bunch of athletic players on defense. At least, like I think I really hope that Leonard Floyd would be able to take advantage because they've got Mike Epiotti at guard. Um, they've got Andre Smith at right tackle thank mm-hmm. you shipley who's you know he's a decent player as far as at center but he's a guy who maybe you could look to upgrade the the druid draft a rookie and mason cole who they might see at center might see at guard but he might not play at all this year since shipley seems to be entrenched if the cardinals are able to whoever the quarterback is there whether it's bradford rosen um if it's if it's Mike Glennon, then you know we'll be kind of prepared for you know whenever <laughs> Rosen replaces him, it'll be kind of louder cheers than Liner and Warner back in the day when all that attention was there. But that's the best place they can exploit either of those quarterbacks because um, none of them are especially mobile as far as for being able to get outside of the pocket and make plays. Rosen can at least extend talk po- plays in the pocket, but. He he's not a guy who's like you talk about like, you know, how not just comparing to Russell Wilson, but even like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers or even a Matt Stafford, that type of athleticism to extend plays. If the Bears can get interior pressure on those quarterbacks, force some back-footed throws, um, be able to kind of make some plays with their secondary, that's where I think they can take most advantage. And the Cardinals would be um, targeting those pass protectors on the offensive line. And I think what that starts is up front is you got to get the Cardinals to stop when they're running the ball. You got to have that defensive line step up stop the run with David Johnson, be able to kind of put pressure on the quarterbacks on third down. That's where I think it's going to come down to. It's going to be that if the Bears can take advantage of the Cardinals there and, you know, maybe if the Cardinals are still learning a new defensive scheme, there might be some mistakes that are made, but that's where I would probably have an attack first would be get some of those A-gap blitzes, get a couple of those complex uh, maneuvers up front and see if you can trick some of those offensive linemen who are not as good in pass protection to let up a sack.
1: Sounds like an Eddie Goldman-Akeem Higgs game, literally the Bears' best roster strength.
0: just about to mention That's Eddie over. Goldman. That's the thing. That's a, I was just about to mention Eddie Goldman. That's a guy I think that you could look at as he's going to have to step up, have a big game if you want to see the Bears go ahead and get a W at the end of the day on the road.
1: Let's finish up uh, his football talk, uh, Blake, with um, something athletic. Uh what is and, and I'll say mine first but so so you have time to think of yours what is the least impressive athletic thing you you've ever done that you are still proud of to this day so think of that while I say mine <laughs> I think do you you know like those catches that you often see most you don't see it really even in the NFL but you'll see it in college football where a receiver will leap up on a contested ball and he'll pin the ball to the back of the defender as they're going down like he'll hug he'll hug the ball he'll hug the defender with the ball you know what I'm talking about
0: oh yeah yeah no I got I got what you're talking about
1: I did that like in a pickup game as a teenager with my friends on my uh, on on my buddy who was covering me. Um, and he was like six inches shorter, <laughs> but it was the coolest thing ever. And he was, and, and, and I still remember how angry and annoyed his face was when, when like, when he like looked at me, like when he looked back and he felt the ball was still in it and he like, he knew I, I had it. Like it, it was thoroughly unimpressive and it was a pickup football, like just, you know, like maybe everyone going 75, 80, 70%, non pads, whatever. But I am so proud of it to this day. So so for yours if, uh, so for your it doesn't have to be necessarily in a sports context, it could be even something like I don't know you made one of those uh paper basket or paper paper ball basket shots from <laughs> from a, from like your home office or something
0: uh yeah, the office Kobe shot no, yeah. I think for mine, what I had to remember at least was just with going back with um I think I saw some of the one of these questions on Twitter, I kind of went drifted back to just I think my freshman year of high school where if you look at how they split up a lot of the different fall sports they put football is kind of in the fall you have uh, soccer can sometimes be there maybe that's in the spring basketball and then they follow it up with the spring sports like baseball tennis and the others so I had never played a down at least of organized football before high school in my life um, I ended up kind of gradu- gra- <laughs> kind of grabbing onto the sport around like my sophomore and junior year at least where I got so into it but uh, after those sports were done I had kind of had a reputation at least of, okay, it's not the most, you know, athletic guy that's over there as far as a lot of sports. Hmm. So that was that was true, you know, it was true. Then it came to springtime and so we had uh me and one of the other guys who was probably uh, the best way that, he ex- that I would explain it is the man's uh, idea of tennis came from Mario tennis. <laughs> it was basically like it, that was his own self representation. He said, Yeah, I know I'm a Mario tennis player, not an actual tennis player. So we were partnered up for court doubles. They had one of the guys who was one of the uh, football players in the team. He's like, All right, come on, let's go, Murphy. We want to get that tennis serve on. So I went down, dribbled it like a pro, threw the ball up, whack, knocked it, and it went right past him on the serve. And he had this look of oh, shock man. in his face. Spar- and when I told him, Yeah. And I was like, hey, I played tennis for, you know, competitively for six years, just to let you know. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was just kind of a total domination where my partner, like, you know, I just told to him to stand up front for that one. And if the ball came to him, he like would hold the the thing out in front of him, kind of like, you know, like, you are like, like, you know, it was like a sixth grade dance or something like that. You're holding the girl out in front of you and just to have him kind of punt it kind of back over the side, at least because he just did not have the coordination to be able to swing. But between that, we were basically able to just go back and forth, up and down for all of that. And Uh, It was really fun, at least just to be able to kind of like, you know, when you talk about those, you know, revenge fantasies that, you know, high schoolers can get for that one. um, It's not really impressive in the grand scheme of things, but it was at least kind of fun to live that out because no one saw that coming. It was just kind of like unleashed it out of nowhere. It's like, oh, you're a tennis guy. Yeah, coach. Yeah. Just haven't had a chance to, you know, show it off that much yet.
1: (laughs) I haven't been able to show that I'm actually Roger Federer in disguise, and so just just <laughs> that's so you know. a, that's
0: a that's a little bit more. Let's 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 go with more of like you know the uh, what's the what's the tennis? let like you know the dodgeball with like the, ah, that yeah. one. It's more of like the average Joe. That's like I would just <laughs> say like an average Joe of tennis. Let's go with that. You know we got Ben Stiller on the other side in the Globo Gym. Uh,
1: t- the underdog t- taking down the man. <laughs> uh, he is. Blake Murphy, he is a staff writer for Revenge of the Birds, the SB Nation's Cardinals website. And you can follow him on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. Blake, really appreciate you taking the time. I, I know you're a busy man, and I know um, – and we made this work. We made this work. We fit it in.
0: Yeah, that we did. Yeah, I know. I'm super excited for the Bears game. My, uh, my roommate's actually a Bears fan. I'm mm-hmm. a uh, Bears-Cubs fan from the Chicago area originally, and his family's from there too. So we've got our own kind of rivalry going. We've got like your towels that are like already kind of like covering up. <laughs> yeah. each other. So it's, it's going to be at least a fun week. I know I'm looking forward to Bears week more than I would be to a lot of Cardinals games because of that.
1: Have a little bit – have another roommate rivalry there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WC uh And follow me on Twitter at Robert Zabinski. This is a Bears-Cardinals rivalry. This is roommates hating each other. This is tennis and football and, am- and amateur football players. We have everything. Uh, as, always, <laughs> as always, thanks for listening, everybody, and stay classy. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that –